Welcome to the Tone Lounge Podcast, the definitive music industry and gear podcast with Jonathan Gilmet and Frank Fleckenstein. What's up, guys? This is the Tone Lounge Podcast. It's episode number four. And with me today is not only um, the Duke of Voxington, Sir um, Jonathan Gilmet, but also we have our first guest. The Thank Duke of Vo- I'm, I, I'm calling him the, the Duke of Voxington because he likes Vox amps so much. And we had this Vox amps kind of episode going. But also, we are welcoming our first guest, ladies and gentlemen, Chris from Jupiter FX. Hi. Yeah, we're actually doing this. So, how is everybody? <laughs> how is everybody doing this morning? Um, very great, very, very good. Slow start in the morning, and uh, now I'm in a podcast. Nice, and a very happy brand year. new podcast too. Yeah. We do it in a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the newest podcast on the blog. Um, yeah. So uh, I'd like to start since we always start about uh, start with things that are like news related. I'd like to start mm. with that, and uh, I'll invite Chris to um, to kind of well, maybe share his opinion. So um, anything Uh-oh. that you can tell us, Jonathan, uh, that you saw uh, this week or the last week that is regarded news, something that kind of piqued your interest. Um. In terms of gear, not so much. I think it's been mostly um, like the subjects of new pedals that come out and how some people feel about the fact that you have a new pedal that comes out and it's already sold out. And then there's like price gouging going on on the used market. Um, That's more what I retain because, you know, if you have a pedal that comes out for 179 euros, it's sold out in like 24 hours. And then you see it for sale for like 700 bucks. Yeah. People are not happy about seeing that. So that that's kind of, I've been focusing just a bit on that, just to see like what is going on. Like, why are people feeling this way? Uh, why do people think that they can go to the bank and say, hey, I got rich off of selling pedals on the used market for six times the price. And I was like, I'm a businessman. <laughs> I can sell this pedal for six times the price. So that's more what I retained uh, from the conversation. And I, it's, has to do with, uh, you know, what JHS came out with uh, not that long ago, what Wampler came out with a few days ago. So that's more like the controversial thing, but I didn't really focus too much on it. That's what I retained because a lot of people ask me questions about it because I did a video on uh, the germanium tumness myself. And mm-hmm. people were like, should I like buy one or am I okay with the tumness? Dude, you're okay with the tumness. You don't have to get... You know, the brand new thing just because it's new, you know. If you have something that serves you well, stick with it. So that's been that's been my thing this week. Okay. Good. Yeah. For, I'm just for me checking was, huh? oh, I'm just no, checking ahead, um, the sold prices of, of uh not a clone. And I think do people really buy pedals at this high price point, like it's it's nothing new that some people want to sell like raw pedals for the fourth amount of the price, and I don't think people are really buying that. 
but I have to check. Yeah, that's, that's the thing is, do do they get to sell it at that price? They're, yeah. they're asking, like, let's say 500 bucks, but can they sell it for 500 bucks if the person that wants to purchase one knows that JHS is coming out with a new batch, let's say, in two months from now? If someone wants to really buy it, they might say, yeah, I'll pony up and I'll pay 500 bucks for it. But I think a, like someone that's more aware is going to be like, no, I'm I'm going to wait two months when it's back on pre-order. I'll pre-order it. There's no way I'm paying 500 bucks for it. So I, I don't know if it's indicative of the real market or more like the inflation that people are trying to put on the pedal market. So there's one a, for for a thousand in Germany right now. So Frank, if you want <laughs> to have one, <laughs> no one is things. buying those. No one is buying. I I just check reverb and no one is buying those for that price. No, yeah. they just hope someone is stupid enough to get on the bait. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would debate. I would. I would think so. Uh, but talking about talking about reverb, let me share my uh, screen with you guys um, can you see that yep yeah okay so um, reverb just reveals is best-selling guitars of 2023 including most popular used models with some surprising results and interestingly uh, it seems like for the second year in a row uh, the the se silver sky from PRS is the best-selling electric guitar on reverb which is i mean this this does not have to be like a um just gonna open this article um it's not an indication of the entire industry but it definitely means something um the silver sky se is not uh, first of all it's a signature model that's one thing the other thing is it's a very specific guitar to begin with because it, it kind of wants to be close to what 60s guitars feel like in terms of... And it has like this insane fretboard radius of 8.5 uh, inches, which is very close to what like some of the 60s, uh, 60s guitars had, which for most people is not the, m the most comfortable to play. So I'm, I, I find it to be uh, interesting that this guitar has been top selling for such a long time the other thing that we have to take into it, account hmm? i think it's Please. interesting because at, at the beginning um everyone was um, talking bad about the model like <laughs> how ugly it is to um, mix the headstock with the fender shape and now surprise surprise yeah it's a it's a best-selling guitar what we have to take into account though is one thing um PRS found itself, especially in Europe, found itself with a huge overstock of of the model, and they reduced the price heavy. So I think they initially started mm. selling this thing at like nine hundred something euros, or the the corresponding mm. value in, in pounds. And you saw some people selling it for around five to six hundred. So that obviously mm. has an impact on. Well, do I want? A Strat from Fender for six hundred bucks, or do I want a PRS? Obviously, because there are so many Strats and Strat copies around, you might go for the PRS or the PRS SE, for that matter. Um, mm -hmm. 
but yeah, I thought I think I I just thought it it was interesting that for the second year in a row, a guitar that, as you said, Chris, everybody like mm. uh, bad mouth <laughs> in the beginning uh, turns out to be, and then in this amazing color, look at that. Oh, I would play that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Do do um, are other colors available? Silver sparkle ones? Um, no, but I've seen a, a a Dutch retailer who came up with a pretty funny idea. He bought apparently he bought oh, yeah, used silver. Uh, there's yeah, he bought uh the silver sky or like like the cheapest silver skies he could get. He took off the poly finish and refinished them with nitro finish and then and relicked <laughs> them in colors that are like typical for like obviously like old uh. Fender guitars, mm. and obviously they're more expensive because of the uh, because of the extra work, but they look killer. It's like a, I don't know, like a relic sunburst, or like relic fiesta red stuff like that. Um, mm. And he he kind of advertised them as PRS SE Silver Sky in the color that we've initially wanted. <laughs> Just, uh. mm. Okay, Do you like what else is on that list? Are like overpainted. Um, you mean like. Uh, some color over another, uh, like sunburst over blue yeah, or something. But yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, like paisley on the top, and then it's relict in like whatever gold, and you, mm -hmm. you can see the the other paint underneath. Yeah, that's fun. They, I, they I, do look I think good. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I guess they're trying to do the whole like how people back in the 1960s thought that Paisley was ugly, so they would paint over it, but the paint they were using was really cheap, so it would wear off, so you'd see, still see the, the Paisley underneath. And I yeah. guess that's what they're trying to arc into, like those old guitars that you can buy because they're like player grade. And uh, I think it's cool. Like if they can do a good job with the painting, uh, I, I think mm. it looks great, actually. And I think Paisley is just... It's just a layer of like foil or something. It's just like a, a foil layer. I think layer it's like wallpaper. Yeah, something like that. It's like a, a kind of yeah. kind of a, a thin layer of of something, and then they finish over it, and then it determines the color. So yeah. essentially, you have the pattern, and the rest is transparent, and then you paint over yeah. it, and something like that. I, I think I saw uh, somebody selling those foils for for paste. Okay. <laughs> um, Anyways, yeah, it's uh, just I just found this to be to be interesting. Then something but, else that I found uh, interesting. Um, no, not the Fender one. I mean, yeah, Fender celebrates seventeenth anniversary of Strat with new models, and I look at and I Ooh. look at the word new models, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, they have new models. <laughs> <laughs> it's no, new but, iterations on models that already exist, kind of thing. New exactly. colors. They're new models. Yeah. Exactly. But this one I found to be nice. Really, do, um, do you really hope that Fender is doing like something new? Because people mostly want an old model from Fender and nothing new. And if they do that, they mostly risk like to make like a spaced out Fender model that no one likes. And in most cases, this happens. Gibson did that with those weird Firebirds or whatever, and nobody liked them because they were new. Yeah, it's true. 
But uh, give some also something we talked about. Yeah, go ahead, uh, Frank. No, please, please. Yeah, we we talked about this on uh, the podcast last week. We said we were talking about Vox amps, and we were talking about how Korg is trying to innovate. They're trying to bring new technologies and new designs, but the people don't want it. People want the old stuff. So I, I think the bigger they get, the more that they have to cater to the, their like the roots, if you will. So if they're building, I don't know, like um, the, the Stratocaster, they don't want a Strat with a bunch of noiseless pickups. They want the Strats with like the vintage voiced ones. So I, I, I think they're kind of stuck in a corner with that one. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think so too. Um, in other related news, something that, that I couldn't find online, but I found like as chatter in the industry. Um, so the first thing is not some, it's not something that people in the U S or non Germans might be caring about, but I've heard that one of the biggest stores that we have in Germany is completely closing down its business to the end of the year. Uh, just music in Berlin. Yeah, but that's nothing new. It's no people saw it coming, but mm. uh, a few days ago it was actually confirmed that yeah. that this was going to is going to take place at the end of uh, of this month. They're not going to open their doors again in in January. And uh, to give you to give a little bit of context to people who don't know Just Music or have never heard of them, they used to be actually a chain. So they had a store in Berlin, they had a store in Munich, they had a store in Hamburg and they had a store in Düsseldorf at some point and mm. a few years ago they uh, all of that didn't work anymore and they shut down all the other stores except for the the head store in Berlin and yeah but apparently the the, the whole thing is not profitable for them anymore and they're uh, mm. shutting down which goes a little bit into what we spoke about like two weeks ago we see a lot of changes in the industry and Yep. A, a few people are not doing well. Even some big people, like Just Music, always was seen as a big player. Um, even some of the the bigger guys are not doing so well. And now we have confirmation that sadly they're going away, and it's going to uh, it's going to shake up things in Berlin. Uh, I think all the other stores in Berlin can kind of you know catch catch up with the people and and you know, help prevent that uh, people don't know where to go to in Berlin. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a kind of a uh, phenomenon, another phenomenon within the industry that it's on a decline a little bit. When was the last time you were in the store in Berlin? Uh, shortly after they reopened after the pandemic, because I had to... Mm. I had to go to Berlin to visit a few people, and I also visited Just Music. But mm. yeah, but I yeah, I know that they had issues with uh, staff fluctuation a lot. So people would work there, and they would quit after three months because they had a different imagination about what it would be like to work in a in a guitar store in a, or in a music store. And then so they always had to like hire new people, and then you have to train them, and then. After three months, they're gone, and you have to train more people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, um, yeah, uh, difficult, very, very difficult, very difficult. The whole store. 
Yeah. Do you, how, do you guys uh, think that this? Please. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys think that perhaps the old model of music stores is fading away and it's making way for something that's new and different with a younger uh, business? Uh, if you want, like younger business model, because a lot of these businesses, like I'm from Canada, right? So in Canada, we have music stores, mom and pop shops, and then we have one big franchise that's called Long and McQuaid's. And mm -hmm. I've seen in small shops and at Long and McQuaid's uh, a quite a difference in the approach. So the small stores, it's usually run by a family. So eventually they close down because they're not modernizing. Uh, they're not catering to the needs of modern musicians, so they they kind of go the way of the dodo bird. But then you see someone like Long and McQuaid, they're looking at Tillman, they're looking at Sweetwater, Guitar Center, and they're trying to stay with that model because that's what was working for, like let's say, the last 20 years. But now we're seeing more businesses where you can purchase directly from them. So let's say I want... Uh, Jupiter effects. I want FFX pedals. I can go directly to you guys and buy the pedals directly from you. I don't have to go through the mom and pop shop. I don't have to go through some of the bigger businesses because I may or may not find your products in their store. And you guys might be like super popular, but those guys, they're not serving that. So do you think you, that might be one of the effects of this? You could just ask them to order at us. Okay. If you want to try their our pedals in, in in a store, you can just go to the counter and ask if they can order. And they hit us up with the email. We get a dealer discount, and then two weeks later, you have the pedal in the shop. That's how it works. Okay. And most shops don't care, and okay. they also don't care if their guitars are not set up and not tuned yep. and play horrible. And that's why some stores close, and some stores like family businesses keep open for so long and people think why why it's not closed anymore or closed already because the times are so heavy because at some small stops shops the people are very hearted in their in their work so if you order or buy a guitar in their shop they make sure that it's like set up well you get new strings maybe uh, a strap with it or a bag if you are a beginner and the other stores just don't care. Mm -hmm. And I return to um, someone that is like taking care of me as a customer. And if I visit a shop, I might, might get a coffee or whatever, then I return my whole life. And most um, shops forget how to treat customers. That I, I think you just hit the, the nail on the head there. I think that yeah. might be, because it's kind of how I see it. I see it like the bigger the company gets, the less in, in touch they are with their consumers. So mm -hmm. if you take like, I don't know, if you buy, I'm, I'm just going to name them, but I'm not picking on them. It's just more of an example. Let's say you buy a Gibson, right? You buy the Gibson, uh, the store sets it up poorly, and they're, they're treating that Gibson the same way as, let's say, an Epiphone. So you get there, the string action is this high, the intonation is not done, and you're like, this thing is $3,000? Fuck that. You put it back on the wall, you're like, this guitar is no good, right? 
But if yeah. you know how to set up a guitar, you might be like, okay, these guys didn't take the time to set it up. I can set it up at home. But for someone that's not in the know, they you might can't. grab the Gibson and, and, and an Epiphone. They might go, fuck that. I'm going to take the, the Epiphone because it plays better. To me, it was a better experience. But it all has to do with the care that the company puts into it. If they have too yeah. much gear coming in and they sell a lot, they might not take the time to set up their instrument properly. Also, the experience of someone that is like setting up for guitars for 20 years is not the same as you do it at home. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And I, and it's something it's something that we that we spoke about like when we spoke when we talked at length about the current state of the industry where I said you, you know, if if you want your local store to be in business for the next I don't know x amount of years then go there and and buy the stuff there and don't ask for a discount if you're if you're nice to them and if you kind of establish a relationship with them as a permanent customer like somebody who comes there at least once a month maybe to buy I don't know strings accessories whatever they are going to treat you differently anyways and they are automatically give you this or the other advantage You know, or maybe you you get a guitar set up for free. Let's say after one year you want to set up your guitar and you want to, you know, intonation check up and everything, and they they'll do that for free because although there is something in place that's called guarantee, those things usually aren't free because they're like extra services. And I've seen that where you go into the store and they say, oh, I need to set this up, and if they have capacities in the moment, they're just going to take the, your guitar. Said, hey. Go drink a coffee. It's the coffee is on us. We'll do we'll do the setup, and you can take your guitar with you in 30 minutes. You know that's that's the thing. Or just ask someone that is not in the internet. Hey, what overdrive pedal do you really think is um, good in a band mix? And then the person who works there for 15 years can tell you. Oh, I played everything and tried everything because I'm the owner of a guitar shop. And what really cuts is this, this, or that, if you do this, this, or that uh, in music. It's experience. Yeah. And experience is so much worth in times where everybody has an opinion in the internet because not everyone has the experience to have an opinion. Yeah. that Yeah, that's, that's another fact, too, is when you're talking to, let's say, your sales rep at a music store, you ask them, Hey, uh, to your point, Chris, what pedal sounds good? And the person's going to look at you. Okay, well, I need more details. What amp are you using? What guitar yeah. are you using? What other pedals are you using? In fact, go get your stuff. Come back at the store. I'll put you in that room over there. We're going to crank things up. You can test it out to your heart's content. That's yeah. the experience you get with a smaller shop. With a bigger yeah. shop, the guys don't have enough time. So a lot of times they're going to be like, well, our top seller is this one. So this is what I suggest. But they don't give you the opportunity to actually try it out and talk to yeah. them at length because it might look stupid when you think about it. Maybe the pedal is just $99 and the person sells it to you for $99. But to you, if that person gave you more information, they made sure that you knew what you were buying, to you it's worth more than $99 because next time you're going to go there, you might purchase something bigger. You might purchase something more expensive and you might rely on them for future purchases. 
the local guitar store here in Wilhelmshaven made me addicted to gear with like the age of 15. <laughs> they ruined my whole life. <laughs> um, in before we before we get into the main topic, um, I'd like to point out two other things that I've heard as chatter. Uh, one is actually I've heard that from a couple of reliable sources. Since you mentioned Gibson a little bit earlier, so apparently Gibson is up for sale again, and uh, I don't know who's yeah I don't know who's buying, but um, uh, this can me. only mean Not one me. thing: huh? <laughs> so buying the whole thing, making uh, this, end up paying for it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this can so this can only mean that the 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 group of investors that bought Gibson uh don't they don't see the returns that they expected to get from them and mm. oh I mean if you look at what Gibson has been doing in the past two years they have been working so much more with artists like they've brought in so many artists that suddenly uh play Gibson guitars and have Gibson signature models and uh Kramer, which is part of Gibson, um, they just released the the Izzy Hale um, signature yes. guitar to to cater to to female guitar players. But yeah, apparently there's not enough money returning from all those investments, so they decided that the company's up for sale. And I don't know who's going to buy that company, but whoever does, I I really hope they. They do something different because as of now, um, you know, changing owners every couple of years. So there's one thing. And the other thing is um, Marshall. <laughs> we talked about Marshall <laughs> as well. Uh, Marshall is, is cutting out all their distributors uh, worldwide and they're going direct really? to stores, which might or might not mean that they, well, things might be might get more affordable because they have like one less mouth to feed as far as margin goes we don't know but uh, i'm i'm looking forward to see so i think the beginning of next year is going to be interesting in a lot of ways especially mm -hmm. for especially inside this industry uh, it makes me wonder is, could could it be because these companies they are too big like they they they're thinking about their portfolio right so If you think about Gibson, Gibson owns a bunch of other companies and they're just thinking profit, profit, profit. And at the end of the day, they're kind of missing the niche market that they're actually in. Because, I mean, they can't play with, like, let's say, someone like Apple, right? Mm -hmm. Apple, they can manufacture phones for next to nothing and sell them at a premium. When you're talking about a Gibson, oftentimes... It takes time to build these guitars. You need people that are very qualified to build these guitars. It takes time to train these people. You know, it's like the whole thing. You look at it, and then they're not making enough money. And if you guys remember, Gibson was going around suing everybody, right? Yeah. They're like, stop making this model. It looks too much like our model. But you, you can't really do that because apparently you can't sue people on the design of the body. The headstock, yes, but not the body for some reason. Mm. And they were going around suing everybody, yeah, and yeah. that didn't really work out for them, did it? No, no. I mean, they uh, it ended. Are not. Uh, mm. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. No, uh, they just wrapped their reputation, and now they're doing cool stuff and media-wise. Also, it looks looks cool, 
but they did ruin their reputation for the last 10 years in like non-quality products and non-cool moves. So no one is buying Gibson anymore. That's the, the, the problem because mm-hmm. you can get way better guitars for the same price that look like a Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Like 100%. a Gibson. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. All right. I've just got, under, uh, I got one last question for you guys. It, it kind of has to do with the fact that Gibson is bringing in a lot of artists. Does 2023, in your opinion, you think that it really matters who plays the gear or does it matter more to the consumer what the gear has to offer to the individual <laughs> person? So for me, let's say you have Slash as one of your artists, but let's say I don't particularly care about slash and you got this new model and you're putting all your marketing into the new slash guitar or the new slash amp and guys like me are like what do i care right is it better to keep going this route or is it better to say hey i got this new product it's for you as a guitar player if you are someone who tours you're someone who plays at home this is a new product which do you think in 2023 works better for a company the the artist or a product for a specific niche um yeah i always had mixed feelings when it comes to artists because uh and full disclosure i mean i got into guitar like many others because i liked a particular artist i liked a particular artist and i was like i want to do that i saw somebody rocking out and i, I said i want to do the same thing and that's that's how people start. So artists can definitely help getting people into guitar. Such as well as athletes can help, you know, bringing people into sports and so on and so forth. The, the I think the examples of how that principle works are endless. However, I always had an issue with like signature models or artist models, just for the for the for the sheer fact that what this person likes might not be what I like. And whenever I tried yeah. artist models, it it, ha- it rarely happened to me that I was like, oh, that's something that I could like. It seems like uh, Eric Clapton and I, we have the same taste or something, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but it, it, it rarely happened to me. So I think nowadays, A, people are way more informed. Uh, B, they look at what the gear has to offer to them, or if it's a guitar, or if it's a pedal, or if it's uh, if it's an amp, and if it if it, if it actually serves their like purpose and what they want to use it for, rather than oh, it's connected with Slash or Eric Clapton or that's what I think. Okay, I think as a grown up, if you see like um, a famous artist like whatever Slash, and I like the guitar sound of it, I don't care if it's a slash signature model or the amp that he played the last 30 years, whether it is um, a JCM 800 or the silver one. And I just get those. I don't need a signature version out of it. But I think if I would do a signature guitar, I would do like an entry uh, level model because like, I think kids are more like into role models, like, oh, I want to play guitar like Slash because 
whatever and as a grown person you think ah cool it's a whatever Les Paul I just get one of those things because he's playing actually playing those and not just like a, a cheap signature model that he offers well, the brand yeah I agree with that but on pedals then, um, I would with pedals, on pedals yeah. I would just like I, I would I would go more on the like uh, it's designed with some famous person, not just like a signature thing. But if you like get a person that is like into high gain stuff and like having um, this person into uh, designing the circuitry, this might get help. But I think signature stuff is more cringy than cool. <laughs> because it sounds great but then they're like red and they're like the carry king amp it's like on on data sheet it's like the perfect amp for, for like me but it looks so cringy with like tribals on it <laughs> or the the randall the randall amp like the of doom amp with like skulls mm. on it with i'm not 14 anymore <laughs> you know yeah yeah good point Cringe. good point so, um, but our main topic today, now that we've uh, talked about some industry chatter and news, our main topic is Jupiter effects. So let's talk a Hello. little bit about Jupiter effects. And in 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 comparison to uh, my fellow podcast partner, um, I'm actually going to bother you with the question: What made you get into building pedals, and when did it start? Um, I built pedals longer than I started the company, of course, but I started the company because I had no other job and I was not getting one. So I thought this might be the perfect time to listen to everybody else and uh, just uh, do it and make a Facebook page and get uh, the papers from the city and uh, do it, doing that like full time officially and i was scared because it's very complicated in germany to be self-employed because you have to do a lot of awful paperwork that is way more complicated than a um, like making a whole company and oh. this is very complicated in taxes and like in insurance and whatever but if you have that done then it's pretty easy regulations or whatever german stuff the germans know and uh, <laughs> and yeah if, if you had that ready and this took like years and months and lots of hard work the the whole company thing is actually pretty easy you get just like loyal employees that might be friends and uh, pay them enough so they are all happy and they you have a good working company pretty easy but I'm building on gear stuff for like 22 years or 20 years. Like I was 14 because I painted my, one of my first guitars black because it was red and I ripped all the cables apart and the local music store told me, I just, uh, 
I drilled the cables because I have no soldering iron because I don't know how to fix cables or whatever. And they showed me how to solder cables. <laughs> this was a local music store, by the way. And mm -hmm. um, they showed me how to do that on my own. And then I got a soldering iron and repaired stuff for friends. Yeah. And then I started doing like the first kits and working normal jobs. And then 10 years later, I decided to do that because friends are like buying my pedals and I was refusing the money at first because I was way too cool to take money for my art. And <laughs> as a jobless stupid kid, I uh, told a friend that, um, I was getting like 200 euros for a pedal if I do that. And I ask him if like, if he's, if I'm still cool, if I'm doing that, you know, I was like <laughs> 23, four, whatever. And uh, he was like, yeah, are you stupid to avoid that? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he might, he might be on something. And yeah, I did that. And uh, I was one of um, the third wave of uh, boutique pedals in Germany. So there was just like the old ones like Oco and uh, Orion. And that's it. And there was en Enrico from, from KMA and me. And that's it. And we it was like, it was like an empty party and the whole buffet was for us. Mm. And now everyone is building pedals. It's the fourth wave, as I call them. But mm. they are okay. gone mostly yeah. now because of COVID or because um, in Germany you have to, um, you get a big tax wave after the second or third year. And most companies that are self-employed, um, are closing after the third year because of that. And most companies did because Germany is complicated. <laughs> so I got a question for you, Chris, when mm. it comes Hi. to your business, I, the person, how I perceive Jupiter effects is that this for you is not just about the money, but it is about having a vision and it's, also something you're passionate about because I was talking with different people in the, in this industry and they're saying, you know, you sell pedals, you're not doing it just for the money. Cause it's, it's hard to compete out there. There's like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of companies out there, but I get the impression that people like yourself, you're doing this because you're really passionate about what you're doing. So is this your philosophy? Is it more about like the self-expression, putting like the right product in the right consumer's hands. Like what is the philosophy behind Jupiter effects? I have to lie. If I um, would tell you like, it's only about passion. Of course, it's a bit of money and yep. uh, money makes living easy. And I like to uh, pay my employees. Well, I like to have money. I like to live well. But after that, um, I do what I want and I design what I like and people just buying because they, they know there is this crazy German guy who makes like weird noise music for the last 20 years. 
and what he thinks is good might be as good for me. And this is my selling point of the company. It's just like, not just like, oh, here's a tube screamer, but it has a pentagram on it. You know, it's <laughs> th this is what most pedals do, but it, it, it's, um, I think it works, to be honest. When it works, it works. But in, in, I see my, my stuff more like my own signature stuff or like, mm. like an art thing, you know? It's, for me, it's like a, a tool that I create for something specific. You don't get like the slash whatever rhythm sound on, on a pedal. You might get, of course, but like a cat catastrophe pedal is way more and it's designed to do way more than just like being a distortion pedal. So I, basically, I just do what I like and people, people, um, just buying because they see, oh, it's so I need a math, but math is not extreme enough for me. This person shows me there are the extreme stuff. And I like that for that tool, for, for, for a song that I have that I need this kind of sound. So basically you what you're doing is selling your taste, right? What yeah, you like yeah, in pedals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you do you ever wear in the situation where you needed like in super extreme sound you know, it's like stacking three overdrives or whatever you don't have to do that with our pedals because mm. it's the the sound already okay yeah that that was something that was something that that, <laughs> that that was something that um when i first saw your pedals that was back in 2017 um, the first time I saw them, I was like, not only do they, and I mean, I only saw the the demos that were available at the time, which most of them you did yourself. But I thought, okay, not not yeah. only do they, <laughs> not only do they do they sound different, <laughs> uh, but also like, but also like visually, visually they were made in a complete different way. They had, they looked like. They just look different to everything else. Everything else had like a color and like some graphics on, and uh, uh, yeah, your your pedals were not they were not fitting into like a specific category, uh, sonically and and uh, sonically and and visually. Um, was that was that? Yeah, and also a, I have to please. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, also, I have to uh, make sure that ev every normal thing is also available in the pedal. I, I hate to do like one-trick ponies mm -hmm. because I think it's a waste of money. And it's not that we are like cheap, but we're also not like very expensive, but it's more on the expensive side. But if you spend like hard-earned cash, you I want to give you more than just a one-trick pony, you know? Mm. So I do extra stuff all, always in, in pedals or like if you play, is it playable for bass? Yeah, it has a whole EQ section just for bass guitar on the inside. So people don't sell it like three years ago, uh, three years later, mm. because they might think, oh, I'm not into that anymore because you can just switch something and it works again. 
this is uh, what is very important for me. Also, we have to talk about that Frank is uh, Frank is uh, one of the first persons um, that uh, trusted in my work and as a reverb employee saw our videos and thought this guy has to help him, and he did. And now I'm here. Hmm. I didn't know that. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I gave it a little, a little push. But as I always, as I always say, um, y y the the stuff that you did, it, it, it was already, it was already there. I just help you to get it yeah. in front of more eyes. You know, um, that that's that's you one of the things. You just showed me the stage. I just showed you where to go and show show all the stuff that you do, and the rest, um, and the rest happened almost by itself. I remember that we talked in December or something, to December 2017, and you called me up because at some point uh, you had so many orders uh, coming in on Reverb where, where you were like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have enough components. <laughs> <laughs> I need to. I actually. I actually need to. I actually need to. Uh, like, bring this to the next level. But from there on, it was, it was growing st steadily. And I mean, I like to learn, and I, mostly people learn from mistakes. And sometimes yeah. you get an angry email, and you, I get very angry about about myself if I get angry emails, and mm. then I'm. Never happened again. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how you grow. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a good that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, that's how you if grow. You, if if you get an if you get an email from an angry customer, and instead of being angry at the customer for being angry, being angry at yourself because maybe you know you are self reflective enough to see. Okay, yeah, they I, pay I money. Of course, they're angry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I would do that too. Where's my pedal? Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I'm there too at some point, of course, because mm. I know the other side. But they paid, they want something, and I don't deliver at a certain point or whatever. And sometimes it's just to make everyone know that uh, it needs uh, nine days in t instead of whatever, or mm. that we are building this or that right now. And also you can share this as content for your company and i found a way everything works because i tried a lot like really a lot and um now everything works like it should be i don't have to look at numbers anymore i just uh, opened the shop and tell felix and this how uh, what are um built in the next hours and everything runs i don't have to care about it anymore but it was a lot of work a lot of planning a lot of being honest to yourself a lot of learning and this is so, way more difficult than designing a pedal i'm gonna have a, a question for the both of you because both of you build pedals do you think that's probably what keeps smaller companies more honest and in touch with their consumers the fact that you deal directly with yeah. complaints and praises from people as opposed to let's say a bigger company that has staff that is just there to answer emails with platitudes like 
I'm so very sorry you feel this way. We will make sure it's, you know, brought to the attention of this person from this department. You guys are getting this email and you're like, what the fuck? Like, this person is complaining about this? How come this went out the door and it's got issues? Where's the issue? And then you're more into the quality assurance than, let's say, a big company with a bunch of... Yeah. That's important. And this is what makes boutique pedals important. And if something bad happens... Um, something bad happens. The pedal comes in damaged, whatever. DHL did the whole damage ballet on it. And the customer gets, of course, uh, angry and disappointed. And disappointed is way more difficult to, hang, uh, to handle than angry. Mm-hmm. And what they always do is like posting. You know, it comes in damage, whatever. So in management and like selling management it's important to avoid that other people don't want to order anymore and also you do customer care and get this person happy and a fan so what you do is then uh, see if you get a new pedal via express to him call him saying i'm sorry but this not doing not the excuse thing just doing the okay, we do the right thing here now, keep the old pedal, give it to a friend who can solve it, whatever. It's too expensive. Most times it's way too expensive and difficult to import it back because German imports are like horrible and I would pay more than I, nobody wants a repaired pedal. So it's for me like B-Stock. And if I sell for B-Stock, it's way more important to get it back than I get from selling it B-Stock. And the whole day is then focused on get this person happy again. And if you order a Toman, they just send you a new guitar and then you're hopefully happy again. <laughs> but they don't care because you're ordering anyway at Toman again. You have to do then the consequences if you... Whatever. But yeah, um Customer care is very, very important in times where everybody can go onto the internet and do the cancel culture thing on you. Hmm. Happens to companies. So be nice to your customers. And customers, please be respectful to other people that work for you in this point. I don't like get emails with just when in big letters. Yeah. I don't like that. Please don't do that. I'm a human too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Yes. I I I never obviously I'm far away from having the volume the volume of orders that that you're at now, so I didn't have to deal. Do as you see much. Liz at the background? Yeah. Um, she's building three hundred drive pedals right now, as we speak. Wow. wow. But not today. But this is the on her plan right now. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what so, I'm saying. Um, if you order a drive, <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's what I'm saying. Like I I don't have I don't have the same volumes as you do, so I didn't have to deal as much with uh, with returns or or like technical issues that you might have to deal with because yeah of the sheer lack of of volume. But yeah. I think I think there is a difference between being approachable as a company and being like you being the head of a company and and so are others who are in direct contact with their with their audience with the community 
I think there's there's great value to being approachable, mm. and if somebody can reach out to you directly, as in, uh, there are companies out there who sell product in bulk in like in like huge amounts, and they calculate like they they cut back on the quality control, and they kind of calculate that there's going to be some percentage of returns so they're they know that a certain amount of guitars are coming back if the customer kind of sees all the flaws that the that the guitar or the instrument or whatever it is has and they expect them you know to 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 return them and then they they sell them as b stock all of that is factored in but that obviously is a is a it's a whole less personal it's it's a lot less personal than than you know a small builder being approachable and being in yeah also being accountable for for yeah. the things that they the thing the things that they do in a in a in a big company you don't know who's responsible it's just all just names yeah, yeah. I'm, here's here's our you know head of customer engagement here's our head of customer service it's just a name there's you don't have a an you don't know how the guy looks like, how the guy it really is. If it's just a guy on a desk with a stack of papers with warranty issues, uh, we don't we don't know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I think there's there's big value to it. Hmm. It's important. It's super. Are you drinking out of the Jupiter Vix coffee cup? Of course, of course. I'm doing. <laughs> let's, see, let's see if the camera catches that. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's the one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Um, small gifts are very important. <laughs> yeah, small gifts are definitely very important. So I have a question. Oh, absolutely. When you when you started when you when we look at the visual aspect of the pedals, mm. were mm. these like some of the some of the visuals are like as extreme as the sound as some of the pedals? produce so were these conscious decisions or are you looking for inspiration or are you um like how does how does the visual aspect of a pedal come together i'm searching for one of the first pedals right now oh you actually have an archive <laughs> that's cool <laughs> yeah with like prototypes and uh what other companies do so I can compare as a reference and whatever. It's ju not just like noise and explosions. And we do like the science stuff with our pedals. This was the first prototype of a pedal. Okay. Warsaw. What was later the, the Schwerkraft. Schwerkraft. Okay. And this was actually the, f yeah, yeah, like Schwerkraft, but craft, yeah, gra gravity, like gravity, force. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and this was actually the first pedal I built with oh, like 19 cool. years old. Yeah, <laughs> just done, just some boost and it's sounding awful. And this was a fuzz face in a feedback loop with eight times as much gain, whatever. I don't know, some industrial transistors in it <laughs> to make it sound like like an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I was like um, 
way into Star Wars and Mad Max stuff, like old damaged electronics that are like totally fucked up guff tape all over. But also look like the romantic design stuff like Jovern, like um, hundred hundred miles under the ocean. Do you know? I, I just oh know yeah, it in Jules, Jules Verne's yeah. yeah, 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 like 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 the boat from him, like very Da Vinci stuff, and mm. like com- combining them together with my designer, and now we have a whole line of that, and we changed all designs this year to make it fit together and relevant and like eight years later so they're like so essentially because if we you don't put, uh, because i have um, like a lag when someone uh, speaks and yeah, i don't yeah, know, know. yeah okay good i'm just yeah, a- not interrupting because i'm unfriendly <laughs> no, no worries. No, there, there's a buffer there. Okay. Yeah, we're having okay, a hard time with that. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially, mm. if you put if you put all the pedals all the pedals to together, you you'll get like sort of a sort of a complete image. Should look like that. Okay. Ah. Gotcha. There's a kaleidoscope coming, a new one. Oh. We didn't design new pedals. We redesigned pedals. And it was one of the best moves I did. Because um, every if I design a new delay pedal, the old delay pedal, which is one of our best sellers, won't sell anymore. That good. It's a new risk. So what we do is every two or three years, we redesign the whole thing. Do new stuff in it. Like the new one has a big filter for, for both delays. So you have like a very dark or very clear delay. So basically like something like a digital or analog switch, you know, and way better oscillation features and FX loop instead of whatever. And uh, the uh, no new design. And we do this every few years instead of so just I have the, uh, I have a question for you, Chris. Do you ever feel the pressure to come up with new pedals all the time just to keep up with the flow of new products on the market? Or did you not find anymore. some way to adjust? No, not anymore. Not anymore. Because people are like into that if they buying. And I just like getting sure that it's always the best I can deliver. If I know, ah, cool, we can make it sound way more like this and that. Now I make a switch in it like old and new, you know? Yeah. Um, Is there, um, I would like to, I would like to know a little bit how you see, how you see the, the, the changes in the industry today. Um, I know that we talked, we talked like one-on-one, a little bit about um, the success that JH has JHS had with the with the Nauticlon because yeah they mm-hmm. they clearly they clearly created something there that was not only a super entertaining kind of kind of thing going with a pedal that you can assemble yourself without soldering a single thing 
but also the whole marketing mm. around it was just it was just so well thought out um so yeah. where do you think and then and then you said well uh my company is also doing better than it did last year um so things are things are improving for you so my question would be if you look at the the especially the pedal market today and if you look at that we i mean you you said that everybody everybody's is is making pedals and uh, i yeah i think i mentioned once that we have like around 2500 pedal companies all across the world that are currently registered where do you see the pedal market going in the next few years and who do you think is still going to be alive <laughs> okay if you see this podcast and um you have um a small company please don't get um hurt by my message um if what i see is that companies that are just like um uh, engineer electronical engineer um, building the best overdrive they can uh, imagine um will get um will will um get into dust you know like disappear like, yeah will won't be there and disappear because marketing is not everything but a lot and if nobody knows the product people don't care if it's the best or not because they need a reference if slash is selling pedals and says this is the best pedal for an jcm 800 i don't care about slash but i know i love jcm 800 i might try it mm. no and all the pedal <clears throat> all the fourth wave of pedal companies are like more electronic guys who like i hate my job but i can do electronics let's do pedals because i see it works on others I do it also and they do it like half time and they won't do it anymore because you have to do way, way more than just build a pedal. And this is uh, the magic barrier that we already crossed. That's why uh, so many companies were at peak times, Corona and before and now not anymore. Frank, how many German pedal builders do we have right now that you can count? That I can count. Come um, Army, Orion, Orion. KMA, or Orion. We you? have, uh, well, we have, you have Jupiter effects. We have Red Orion Sun effects. We mm -hmm. have Oco. Red, Red Sun doesn't, does not. I don't know if Red Sun does stuff. But I think not anymore like they used to. No, Let's say it this way. I think I think it's just very, very small, very small badges. They don't do that much anymore. But if if we had to if, mm -hmm. if we had to look at the companies that are relevant and with relevance, I basically mean you have heard about these companies living maybe in the US and so on. And they're also living from it. Yeah, exactly, and they're also making. Uh, they actually make it's it's a business. It's a sustainable business. Then I would say no more than ten companies, most likely less, way less. Mm. I don't count 
angle or lele into it because they mostly do not pedals. You know, no, lele makes pedals, but they don't yeah. do like it's more like accessories, whatever. Good stuff, yeah. by the way. Not trashing, but no, no, no. It's you know uh, what I mean. lele makes lele makes great stuff, one hundred percent. Uh, but it's not a traditional yeah. pedal company. Uh, neither is Engel. Engel is an amplifier company. Yeah, they company don't make fast they, pedals or dealer. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. They just also they, do pedals. They yeah. also do pedals uh, because at some point they thought they want to enter the pedal market and uh, they want to like mm. you know, cut into people's market share, which uh, I don't see working for Engel mm. particularly well. But that's a that's a different uh, it's a different topic. So yeah, um, in Germany, but also. In Germany, as you mentioned before, it's a it's a it's a lot harder to a register and establish a business and then to stay in business than in other parts of the world. Whereas in in the U.S., for example, uh, I don't think most people who build pedals in the U.S. even have a proper business registration. Mm, yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for companies. Uh, like for me in Canada, if you make below a certain bracket, uh, it's not taxable by the government. So if you start to make, I think it's over 20,000 a year or something like that from sales, uh, I could be wrong, but that's what I remember because I was trying to register my YouTube channel and all that. And when I got to see how pathetic of money I make from YouTube and what they required, I, I never registered. So for any independent worker, that's kind of the thing. It's like you have to look at your bracket. You have to look at all the stuff. Like, do you have many expenses throughout the year? Do you have any marketing expenses, the whole thing? Mm. And since I didn't really fall in that bracket, I never registered. So I think in the States, depending on the different states they're in, they might have that kind of thing. Like if you make below, uh, I don't know, 15000 a year, depending where you live, they may not have to register as a company. Yeah, But mm. it seems like you guys in Germany are like super strict about what no. an independent worker has to do, right? We have that too. And it's only for, um, yeah, it's, it's Kleinunternehmer status. Yeah, small business <laughs> regulation. Uh, yeah. It's like 20, yeah, yeah uh, 20,000 to whatever, I don't know. And um, you don't have to do tax papers as the same, I guess. I don't know anymore. But it's not, um, it's not uh, enough to live from it at all. No. Mm. Yeah. no, not at all. It's like more like if you if you do have like an Etsy shop and do like um, housemade stuff, like I don't know, I don't know, jewelry, yeah, like embroidery uh, and uh, shirts, like, and yeah, 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 yeah scrapbooks, like, yeah, yeah, painting cups, whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Knitting. <laughs> knitting, yeah, that's what, knitting. That was the word I searched. <laughs> knitting, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, what was it like for the plants that, that knitted uh, holder thingies? Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can put them up on uh, the ceiling yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff like that. Etsy stuff. <laughs> Etsy stuff, yeah, exactly. Now I'm thinking about quitting YouTube and going that route. You know, just learn to knit. I could probably, like, knit petals and just put a nice circuit in there. Um, cool. Do 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 an, uh, a knit gig bag. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I could do that. Yeah. You know, knitting for the headstock of your guitars and all sorts of stuff. I mean, pff, possibilities are endless. I could make millions. A holster for for the neck, so it's comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> I, actually, I was actually thinking about knitting, but for the guard. volume knob on the guitars, so that your hands don't slip. 
So you have these nice knittings, you know, you could have Christmas themes and Halloween. For your fingers so you don't get hurt from the strings. Yeah, so you don't get calluses. (laughs) Oh, I hate calluses. (laughs) I knit guards, like a pick guard knitted. Oh, yeah. That would look weird. <laughs> We're coming nice. up with a with a lot yeah. of new ideas for 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 great great businesses. Such so we're gonna have to cut out this part so that we can work on these ideas and yeah. not give it to the industry. Yeah, most likely, most you know, likely. Yeah, we should have thought of that before doing it in the podcast. <laughs> I think there's there's this the one of the worst business ideas that I saw re- related with guitars was the guy who started to create uh, attachable headstocks for people that play headless guitars but want, want it to look like a regular oh, one. Oh, come on. And, um, and he <laughs> actually... Rich did that in the 90s. Really? really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, okay. BC Rich did headless headstocks with hats way before. <laughs> it's like... Th- because you have the color whatever tremolos and you, you um, put the strings on this way. Mm. And they did a headstock without tuners to don't look at uh, make it look off. <laughs> oh, jeez! Kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. Oh, well. I mean, if you if uh, I mean people who play headless guitars, and I used to play headless guitars. Uh, I'm, I'm not anymore, but um, they're a convenient in a in a in a way. But people who play headless guitars and they only play headless guitars, they're like their own own kind of. Uh, is that is it their own their own little bunch? So then to to come out with an yeah. idea like, hey, you want to make your headless guitar look like a regular one? Here's a nice product for you. Where where I would be like, no, I play this guitar because it's headless. I don't need a head. <laughs> you know. And and you know, to that sometimes I have really stupid ideas like the one I just got now. I want to go to the counter of that movement and make guitars with really big and absurd headstocks that serve absolutely no purpose. And you just make that, right? With a tiny guitar that's super slim, but like this big freaking round thing that is super ugly. And you go, no, we're done with headless. This is the new movement. And then eventually you start to shrink it back to normal size again. (laughs) Display headstocks with a touchpad on it. Oh, that'd be sweet. I like that. Where you can play For videos no and people reason. can watch it. <laughs> no, you, you, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, you can put it like in, in the stand and just like watch TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the people are just watching your headstock, whatever's playing on there, like Game of Thrones or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, kids these days they they all always scrolling. So you like put an Instagram feed on there that's like scrolling from itself, and people can watch that. That your idea there? How about mm-hmm. you have that iPad into the headstock, but all your presets are scrollable, so people can just reach out and change your tone to whatever <laughs> the hell they want while you're playing. There was a band <laughs> like Man or Astro Man, and the bassist had that with an iPad and was like having um, a Zoom uh, conversation. What? Yeah, <laughs> look it up, Man, man or Astro Man. And the bassist has like the craziest guitars on earth, like with with an iPad built in and whatever, like effects, See, like MIDI controlled effects and whatever. Oh, There's shit. always someone who thinks of this stuff before I do. 
can't Dude, make money, man. <laughs> look up Man or Astro Man live that like Tesla um, coils on stage. Oh yeah, what? It's oh, insane, cool. insane, amazing. So many cool ideas. Yeah, yeah. So uh, at this point, it's it's very safe to say that you've established yourself as I. I would say, looking at it from the outside, um, as kind of the, the the biggest German manufacturer of effects pedals, at least at least as if if <laughs> if I look at the volume of, of and you don't see the volume. Doing, no, I don't you see don't the entire see the volume, volume because <clears throat> yeah, I don't see the entire volume one hundred percent. But the thing is that if, if I look at yeah. it from the from the outside. Um, and I compare that with some of the other companies, and we don't have that many companies in Germany, obviously, but if I compare that, mm -hmm. and since there is the other fact that you are, you are only selling direct, it's not like you have a dealer network to, to be no. in compliance with or whatever, it's pretty f safe to say that you've established yourself as the biggest German effects pedal manufacturer. Thank you. <laughs> and this was just hard work and nothing else. Oh, it's and only that. I don't have a dealer network. No, because, yeah, only that. Um, only 13 hours a day for the last eight years. But yeah. <laughs> yeah um, I don't have a dealer <laughs> network. I just sell to shops that I like very much. There are one in uh, Great Britain and one in Germany. And uh, it's Musikproduktiv, and Musikproduktiv gets uh, the um, gets my goal because I rented my first guitar amp there as a kid. Because you can rent for one year a guitar amp, and this changed my life. And I give mm -hmm. them what they like for their shop. They just have to ask, and I send it over as a thank you. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. So I, I got a question for you, Chris. Do you think that probably a part of your success has to do with the fact that you're more in touch with how things are done now? Like a lot of companies, when they start out, they don't know that if you want to stay relevant, you have to be on social medias. You have to yes. interact with the people on social media. You have to know how to present yourself on camera. You have to be able to mm -hmm. film and broadcast. Mm -hmm. And I think you yeah. guys do all of that, right? So you have a YouTube channel, you have a presence on all the medias. And not anymore. A lot of old, not anymore. No, we don't have the YouTube channel anymore because I I, I um I said earlier that I tried a lot and yeah you have to be very realistic about what works and what not. Okay. And YouTube didn't cut it for me because I'm have to build also the stuff that I yeah show and that if I just demo, yeah. show everything i have like a show like jhs in like two years not not a problem at all but who who's designing building and controlling everything so i have to do that also so i can't do everything 100 percent okay sadly but instagram works and uh yeah i do everything by myself and you have to what most people don't do it's that easy they don't just Google how to 
post things online in 2023 because Instagram does this now and this now and Meta is connected uh, is this and this and they don't like if you post YouTube links in it and whatever just read it it's it's a like a half year do it in like calendar update yourself with actual social media stuff what what is the problem there i'm i'm getting my whole life through those orders so i take care that i stay relevant if i don't do that anymore that's a decision but you have mm -hmm. to read the rules for it i see so many bands or brands avoiding be, being famous because they don't care they don't care they have good like good songs good stuff or the brand is like good ideas whatever and they're just like posting on spanish nobody can read that you know it's just, just get chat gbt uh, can you translate that for me in english thank you i'm mm. i can't i can't write a sentence without like 10 grammar mistakes because i don't know the word in english but I can't like read <laughs> and write properly. Um, I have other talents, but if I write something online, I check every everything with ChatGTP or whatever because that's how it works, you know. And you can do that if you have the time for all that. And for that, you have to be full, full into the company and not half whatever. If I if I know. I have to do a reel later because uh, we have new pedals or whatever. I have the time to do that. It's in my menu for this day. You know? So in other words, the, it, it has to do with trying to stay relevant, but also having the time and the money to allocate to being able to do like the whole social media thing and just keep pumping out content. I remember a while back, I was talking with uh, Brian Wampler and I was asking him like, who makes your videos? He goes, I do. I go, okay, yeah. who edits the video? He goes, I do. I'm like, yeah. okay, so you do everything. You script the videos, you film them yet. He goes, yeah, but he goes, I can yeah. do it. Cause I'm not like in the shops working. Like yeah. he's doing a bunch of stuff throughout the day, but it's still his priority to do this, but it's not everyone yeah. that can afford to do that yeah. to your case yeah. where you're saying, you know, I got a business to run and the videos are not working that much. So that's yeah. where other people that create content day in, day out, I guess that's the value in like sending it to a guy like Pete Thorne or Ola England, guys like that, right? They just keep pumping out great content. And for people like yourself, if you can send it to him and he does like this great video and he's got this big reach, then it's mm -hmm. worth investing in that as opposed to doing it yourself. The most important thing is that people think they sell with products and most instagram pages are like full of products mm -hmm. and if you we all do that if we uh like on the couch we're scrolling like half an hour an hour we see commercial after commercial after commercial after commercial every post is a commercial people don't want to look at anymore they're just swiping away the new whatever, the new guitar, the new... Uh, they don't care. And if you want to make it cut for your product, you have to build a community. Like, oh, Chris posted something new. Could be interesting, could be funny. I don't know. You know? And 
then you see, oh, cool, it's the Wallow pedal. Uh, cool sound for that song. Yeah, of course. And they stayed on my post and saw it. And also, it's, of course, a commercial because I'm a company and I want to sell stuff. But, um, yeah, people only thinking, okay, I post new pictures of this cool amp and it's enough because people will see now oh, the amp is now online. People don't care. People don't care. They don't care. Mm. But if um, others are talking about it, they do care because they want a community. Okay. <clears throat> it's that easy. It's that easy. Just just put the camera on it, on yourself, and just upload it. It's that easy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess it depends a little bit on... Um, I think what you are doing is like uh, it is. You always seem to be like super relaxed, and you always seem to be to be very confident. When you just when you turn, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. It's it's a part of me that is, but in inside me, I'm super stressed at sometimes. <coughs> I'm also not confident. I told you that I have to eat uh, before we do the whole thing. Um, I'm asking like four times and which clock time we do the the podcast because i fear that i miss something or whatever i'm always prepared because i know that at some point i'm not that confident or whatever mm. it's all like all we are we we are like that and i don't have a problem to show that that i'm just a human being and that's why people like that that easy that's what um, com big companies do wrong they just everything is perfect yeah and people don't believe that anymore that's a good that's a that's a good point and that's that's what what i was like going going for when i said you yeah. you you take your cell phone you know you you start the video you just record something it is it's always super spon spontaneous or it looks super spontaneous yeah. you might be obviously you might be maybe running a test recording to see if everything sounds okay mm. but it's always like super uh it looks super spontaneous it looks super approachable it looks super authentic and um, authentic yeah authentic that's that's the thing and it's it's that's it's just you you know you're not you're not acting to be someone else You're not, um, no, and and that's the difference, and the, and obviously I'm the big companies, me. yeah, exactly, that's and that's the and then and that's that's the big companies. Everything is like produced. The lighting of, is perfect. The sound is 100 perfect and produced as if it was produced in the best, you know, high end studio that you can you can imagine. And uh, the people yeah. who are talking in front of the camera, a lot of them have a teleprompter and they just read everything, and you can. Uh, it sometimes you can spot it because of their eye movements because they're looking either a little bit down or a little bit to the side. Everything's perfect, and I you're 100% right. I think people are kind of fed up, kind of tired uh, about that, and it's it's that's the point. Yeah, it's a point. And it's obviously it's different if 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 you do this video completely by yourself alone. Or if you're doing it with somebody else, I mean, if you look at um, Andertons, for example, uh, these are two guys who kind of can establish a certain dynamic by, like, you know, creating content. There, there is some aspect of 
you know, being spontaneous and both have their personalities. But if you if you do it by yourself, um, then obviously it becomes it becomes a lot harder. And I think what you are doing is you're doing you're doing a great job uh, on social media, doing exactly that, being authentic. Thank you, and this is very nice, and I love the whole thing that you um, that other persons see exactly what I try to do <laughs> but in in retro perspective this is a, a thing that involves by trying i did pro shots i did like too much prepared i did like book someone that can play guitar very well i did the lightning thing the whole media whatever didn't work out didn't work out people don't care People don't care. And if I, if the people don't care, I can just get my iPhone done, like the Kepler X, plug pedal on it, dum dum, is the guitar. The only thing is, do, do, do my hair look weird? Is the guitar tuned? That's the <laughs> only thing, like, and let's go. You know? Yeah. And people, people like that. They, yeah, it's a community thing. It's they don't they, they don't trust big companies anymore. That's that's mm -hmm. the reason. And big companies do the whole perfect thing. Nobody wants perfect anymore. Everybody on, on Instagram is perfect. They don't believe them anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna <clears throat> voice a very unpopular opinion here, but I think the word uh, authentic is super important because. If you look at Fender or Gibson or any of these companies, how authentic can you be when the company's been sold 10 times? Right? <laughs> so they're talking about like the lineage, the history. A lot of them don't even know how that old stuff was built. They don't know the names of the people who built them. Right? No. So then they have to dig back trying to find like, how, how do we make this custom amp or this custom guitar? Oh, fucked if you know, because the guy died 20 years ago. Like all the people <laughs> that made this stuff, you guys don't know. And it keeps being sold and sold. So yeah. if you take a company like, I don't know, Wampler, let's say Brian Wampler uh, in 30 years dies and it's handed down to another company and they never talk to him. They never talk to his staff. They don't know anything. And they start to build pedals with the Wampler name, but the circuits inside have nothing to do with what he built, the legacy. Is it still Wampler? And that's the authentic part. I think that's what people like is right now, if I'm dealing, let's say with Jupiter effects, I know the guy is on YouTube. I see him. He talks about his products. I can buy the pedals. I know it's built by him, but let's say in 30 years, it's sold to another company and then it's sold and sold and sold. Is it still really Jupiter effects? How authentic I, can it be? Right? I won't, I won't sell the thing. It goes with me or not. I um, talked, I, I got a few offers to sell my company, but always with the point that I, uh, I am bought with it because I am okay. the one that makes it functional because the products alone are cool, but don't, do you see other people than me like showing you the thing? Nope. No, yeah. <clears throat> of course. Hard. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah. And if I see other people showing 
my stuff others I, i'm like oh set it up wrong you don't know how an amp works <laughs> you don't know how your own guitar works you don't know this uh, has to be this way because they don't know because they don't know because they don't read manuals they don't care also they just want to make money out of you and i thought okay let's cut the middleman i do it myself only and uh, yeah after a lot of learning i thought investing only in my own company instead of others is the right way i decided that for the last two years and uh, it worked out and i didn't release any new stuff no. at all just marketing yeah smart move we yeah. also talked uh last week frank and i about this concept of having a pedal builder that's also a musician that can also do the online marketing th uh, stuff. And Frank was saying, <laughs> one thing that sucks is that let's say I build a pedal and then I send it to a YouTuber, right? And the guy sets it up wrong, doesn't yeah. say the right things. Uh, so then he's like cringy because he's like, oh my God, like you, you missed the, you missed the point. Mm. How important do you think that relationship is? between content creator, whether on Instagram, Facebook, or whatever, and the company where we talk honestly about what the product is. Because when I talked about this with Frank, I was saying, like, sometimes I've dealt with companies where they send me a pedal, and I don't want to be the idiot saying that it's a tube screamer when it's not, right? So I'll write to the company, and I'm going to say, what is this circuit based on? And then they give me this spiel about, it's inspired by a legendary, no, 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 no. What is it based on? You're uh, not the customer. Uh, it's, yeah. And, and they don't want me to kind of know what it is because if I say this pedal is a tube screamer, but it's not a mm. tube screamer, it's modified, it's got some cool stuff, they're afraid mm. that I'm going to be reducing the perceived value and mm. impact of their new product by stating something. Yeah. yeah. So, super impressionable from the company to not brief you. Just brief okay. the person because I, as a company, want you to sell my pedal as viewed in the best perspective as possible. So I tell you, it is a rat clone, but please don't say that in, like for an example, okay? Yeah. Um, it's, it is a rat clone, but we changed a lot of things. I would be happy if you not say that this way, say it more like it's a rodent, like a manmal, whatever, I don't know yeah. what the whole selling point is. I don't know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it has more knobs and more flexibility and the um, you have to yeah, adopt. And if you want to control uh, the, the YouTube guy, you have to breathe. And please don't, please don't say things like this, but you can say if they do that, They are nice. If they don't do that, you can control it anyway. So, mm -hmm. but you have to, I, I do a, a little sheet, like the controls are for this and this and that volume makes stuff louder or whatever. And then I would do something like it's good for this kind of music. If you can play like a song, for example, something like this, not just like do that because then they get offended because you don't buy them. But mm -hmm. if you push them or show them a few things that you 
wish to see, they're mostly very open to that. And I was ah, oh, yeah, good idea. I can show that. I I did that with a few YouTubers. They're like super proggy and guitars. And I was like, can you write a punk song? I was like, punk? <laughs> <laughs> I can try. And it's awesome. Yeah. You know? It's very impression uh, um, unprofessional if companies don't brief their their clients, their their YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Super basic to do that. No, oh, tell tell us about the nine string. Tell us about nine string guitars. Yeah. <laughs> um Dirk, Barclay guitars, and I um yeah, made a must write guitar. He made it, I just said I want one. <laughs> it has nine strings but not like a gent guitar like uh, six normal normal strings but the high non-wounded strings are like uh, like a chorus pedal mm, wow and it's, ah, okay. and it's aluminum and it just got the message that the neck is ready Ooh. yay nice any mm. demo in the future uh, of course, it's uh, oh, here in the nice. shop then. Mm. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I don't play the it's high nice strings to... because I pl- never play any leads or solos. But at some point, I do like accents with like full, full, uh, full E, like da 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 That's cool. Mm. Oh, nice. Good one. So, um, getting a little bit into the into the nerdy side of things i have a question yay nerdy (laughs) stuff um what if you if you wouldn't have your own pedals and you said your pedals are like kind of your signature versions like what you want a pedal to be and to do yeah if that wasn't if that wasn't there if if that was wasn't existing what would be on your pedal board um, an old Line 6 DL4 that I modded to death. <laughs> An uh, MXR Plus and a small clone. Hmm. Into Pretty... a medium driven amp, but two caps. Whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. The amp is way more important than pedalboard. Interesting. It's a it's it's actually a pretty um pretty small pedal board for that matter. Mm. Yeah. Just three three pedals and you're good to go. Um the rest is just topping. I once used a Moog ring modulator for like noisy parts. But at some point I just do like scraping on the strings or whatever. At some point, I turn delay knobs for oscillations. I don't play solos. I use that as a solo. And mm. um, what is more important is uh, a good, tasteful rhythm sound that doesn't get annoying after hearing about 10 minutes. That is way more important than a pedal collection on your board. Most people don't do that. Please do that. <laughs> because people standing and are more like bored because they are not on your their phone anymore for like an hour. 
that is horrible for most people. <laughs> and <laughs> if they also have to watch you and you were just standing there with horrible tones and even not musicians um, are like, Oh, it's uh, sounding like ear piercing or not, not tasteful. I'm, I'm, I'm not a cook, but I can taste if something is good or bad. That's the same <laughs> thing with your ears because yeah, that's yeah. a sense. And if you put your amp just loud and just bass and just whatever, not going to work. People don't like that. And if people don't like their music, you will be playing in your bedroom for your whole life. <laughs> it is like that. Very good. It's, it's, it's super easy. Uh, it's, um, but since you said uh, amp, another nerdy topic, at some point, and I don't know when it actually happened, maybe I, th I, I, if I remember correctly, maybe like two years ago or something, mm -hmm. uh, you started to look into also making amplifiers you were there as i decided to do that you i was there were visiting us and at that point i played two 200 watt high watt clones mm -hmm. as you do and they had the power they had the power and the punch but they were way too clean and then i wanted to decide to get a friedman be 100 and put them like the high watt and the no you know like like a beat setup whatever and we were in the music store together and i plucked in the friedman was like playing one chord and put it on bypass because i didn't like it i like the sound very much i like big heavy marshals but there was for me no power and that's a no for me so i decided preamp Friedman power KT88 200 watts. And um, then I learned uh, Jens Zander to uh, met Jens Zander. He's locally from Jefa. It's a town next to us. And he's like cloning and building and repairing a lot of tube stuff for the last 35 years. And he was like, are you insane? A Marshall with over 200 watts, blah, 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 blah. Um, who's gonna want to hear that? Wimbledon Stadium? <laughs> like all the stuff you hear. But he didn't know that if you have a fast pedal, a delay, a reverb, and you play on drop C, you need a lot of headroom in the power stage, not in the preamp stage, mm. the power stage. Mm. And for that, you need just wattage, clean wattage. And we did that. And now we are very happy and are the only European company that does this kind of amps. More or less. Wow. Mm. It's basically think, uh, something like a Soldano JCM 800, but it's like 250 watts clean. It's way more distorted, by the way. Yeah. It's the same. Mm. <laughs> I like it. It's, it's, it's very important. Not, not just like do the extreme stuff. That's easy. Like, okay, let's do this twice as loud. <laughs> but it has also sound very good. And if it's, 
it has to work in every situation and sound good while it's doing it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I remember trying that amp at Guitar Summit, and I could not believe how loud but how clear. Like, I was playing bass with it, and I was like, I want to buy that amp. I want to buy the amp. But I didn't have the money to buy the amp. But I really wanted the amp because I play both bass and guitars. So the idea that I could just have one amp that covers all of that for me, plus I could use pedals and not live the limitations of, let's say, a lower wattage amp. I, I get the point. Like at first when I saw your amplifier, I was like, that is a lot of wattage. Why? Because a lot of people are shrinking the gear. And you decided to go the other way and just build it back up. But you build it up not just to make people laugh when they see the wattage. There was actually a design idea behind it. As you just stated with like using fuzz and using pedals and having uh, guitars that are dropped down, which a lot of people use and have been using for almost like 20 years now, right? Yeah. yeah. Mostly do you tell people that are using like a seventh string, whatever, that you need a heavy low cut because it gets muddy. Don't have to do that anymore. If you have enough wattage to deliver that, it gets muddy because the amp says, okay, I can't handle it anymore. But if you have an amp that can handle that, oh yeah, that's putty. All the gain, all the bass, all the mids, full on. It's hmm. no problem. If you ever hear like a high fee tube amp what in the price range of like ten thousand euros you won't believe your ears what what bass comes out of the speakers it's like unbelievable and it's basically the same hi-fi design but in an amp mm. Mm. super imp I, I i find it impressive but i also it also begs the question how many so assuming that uh jens was his name right yeah assuming yeah. jens jens is making these amps by by hand how many of these amps are you able to produce within let's say a month or a year right now this year 10 a year next year we try more more um we do now the pre-building in the shop so i bend the chassis i do the wood corners we have wood corners so if you put the amp uh, the screws out to to um get the amp out the out of the box enclosure um, yeah. you can do it by yeah yeah thank you um you can do it by yourself and don't have like to touch metal because most people are afraid to touch the bare stuff of an amp because they think they get shocked or whatever or think they can damage something so we make like big wood handles so you can like put it on the table you know the, everything is leveled out so it doesn't stand on the tubes it's very customer friendly and i pre-mount everything and do all the cables in the amp and then circuit wise jens picks them up in like four or five amps and then just finish them and tune them by ear because component drifting is way more than I ever thought in amps. Do you ever 
had like four of the same amps in the same room, you won't believe yep. what 1% can do. It's okay. One amp has a bit more bass and then you get like reduce the bass on the EQ a bit more and then they are the same again, but it's there and you have to avoid that because every customer gets the amp that is promised, of course. And sometimes you have less or more gain and then you send out the less gainy amp to the customer that wants more gain and then you have a problem. So every phone is the same and that's a lot of work. And we tuned yeah. that. And we also made a SVT killer switch to yeah, because we Jens had an SVT 300 Pro and was calling me and was like, the power stage is mightier than the Titan. And I was like, really? Oh, we have to change that. And <laughs> now we have a switch that filters something and pushes base so even a 300 watt mpeg cube whatever has not the power against our titan was very important for us it was a week of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, th there's one thing i want to mention about your amp uh when i was over uh and i met you at guitar summit i interviewed you you kind of showed me your pedals and stuff and mm. you showed me the back of the amplifier where you mm. said, you know, if you play at a venue and they have really bad voltages coming out of the wall, you just grab this little screw here and you can fit your amp to whatever venue you're in. I've never yeah. seen that before. Other companies have that. The internet okay. worries, all right. Other companies have that. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but they okay. forgot the LEDs to show you mm. that, is, that there is something wrong. Yeah. And I set up the Titan in the big room of, I believe, 50 amps, or was it, Guitar Summit in the big room? I don't know. Mm. Lots of amps. Lots of amps yeah. on the same uh, power supply is uh, dragging the current mm. so they don't get 230 voltage anymore where they are biased to. They get mm -hmm. like... 220 so they're biased lower but you can you don't know that yeah so, yeah you play uh, at the punk venue and everything is on one voltage and everyone is like for four years and hum and whatever <laughs> and then you set yeah. your amp up and the titan is like flashing red on the back then you get one of your small screwdrivers Everything is in perfect condition. Everything is re-biased to the new voltage. Yeah. And this happens a lot. I have different voltage in my store than I have at home. Yeah. Don't know that. And what is very funny, what I do at like events like the Guitar Summit, I put my Titan on top of like different amplifiers. They ask me what I do then, and I'm re-biasing it why because every amp here in the room is not biased and then i just leave <laughs> the shop owner's <laughs> like yeah that's why they all sound like shit <laughs> ah. that's that easy you have always a good running amp you the tube is like broken you just plug a new tube in set it up done don't have to buy a full quartet of expensive tubes 
and you can do that your whole life just buying wow, one crazy. new tube doesn't have to be the same um of course uh, spec wise the same but not the same brand you can okay. just like hey uh, local shop i need a kd88 yeah, okay we have one okay cool no problem plug it in let's go wow wow yeah. okay so it doesn't have to be matched at all no not at all you you are you are the one matching yeah huh. <clears throat> that's crazy the matching is and like you know someone plugging two to uh like like two or four together in the same area that's brilliant yeah yeah what's 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 interesting is that uh a, com a company like yours which in relation i i mean i mentioned before before that your company is at least in my eyes the biggest uh the biggest company for for effects pedals in germany but on the large we scale Frank, we yeah, are we already on are the, on the large on the large scale of things and if and because the perception of names and brands is always going to be like if i say jupiter effects i'm gonna have like i don't know six out of ten people in the world knowing what it is if i say mesa boogie for example it's going to be 10 out of 10 or 9 out of 10 mm. and in that yeah in, in, in that in 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 yeah that kind of relation how is it that a, a company with your profile thinks about that kind of things in an amplifier and mesa boogie and here's like the most it's the most ridiculous mesa boogie of story i've ever come across i went to the uk once and um we met with the at that point uk distributor of of mesa boogie and they were concerned about sellers from the eu because the, the we still had the eu and great britain was still part of it uh, and there was a huge difference between the the uk pound and the the euro so a lot of people would buy from european mainland instead from buying from the uk And the UK distributor of Mesa Boogie was super concerned that they would get flooded with EU Mesa Boogies instead of UK selling their UK mm. Mesa Boogies because according to him, for the UK, they have to be tuned, like the power supply has to be tuned because the voltage in the UK is so shitty that sometimes at like high peak hours you only get 190 or 195 volts instead of 220 which then well, causes the amp really to sound like huge. yeah yeah which then causes <clears throat> the amp to sound like shit it's a van halen mod <laughs> <laughs> brown sound <laughs> yeah van halen did like 10 or 20 less volts in your in their amps i don't know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, wh why I'm doing this because I want to sell products that I um, want to have. That's that easy. Hmm. I also like seeing myself an, as an event in, inventor of cool things, so I just do exactly that. And uh, I like when people say, "Oh, that's brilliant!" Why I never thought of that and. Um, If other big companies um, watching this podcast, you can pay me to give me, um, so I give you uh, some ideas that you had <laughs> had in the 80s already. Because yeah. I, if I had their money and their resources and their workforce and whatever, yeah, dude. 
<laughs> so I'm gonna Chris Jupiter bought Gibson guitars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I I think that might be the strength of your company and other companies like yourself, where the yeah. person who founded the company is still the head and thinking about stuff. Like you're yeah. not driving around in a limousine and staying at like the most expensive hotel and eating caviar. You're still like <laughs> doing the grunt work. You're still part of it. So you're still connected to what it's like to be a musician. I think yeah. that might be why some of those big companies that could benefit from having someone like you coming in and saying, Hey, look, let's be honest about what musicians need. And you guys could do this, this, and that. So you kind of become yeah. an advisor to them and, yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the way forward too, is getting the big companies to work with smaller companies so that the big ones are more in touch with the market. Yeah. yeah. Basically I just see like a product or buying a product and I'm disappointed of it because I like stuff a very special way. So I buy myself a JCM 800 and think, Oh, cool. But power is missing. I get myself a Friedman, cool, power is missing. Get myself a diesel, sounds too Metallica for me, whatever. I don't know, just examples. And by that experience over years and years and years and talking to a lot of people in the industry, I basically developed a product, something that I want. That's enough for me, something that I want. I want to get an open big mouth. I get an open big mouth, the same serial number that in the same range serial number as Billy Corgan's, by the way, and I paid an awful lot of money for that. And then I decided, cool, I built this now and make a version that the original sounds tired against it. So let's go because I like big headroom, big guitars not like big headroom clean i hate that but like crunching heavy and so i developed um for example the 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 wallow and decided okay if we it works on chips chips have like uh, resolutions so high headroom more voltage more resolution more cleanness not the amount of gain i mean resolution like mud and whatever That's why the Wallow sounds kinda the original, but way more heavy. Mm. This is, for example, something that I do. And then I think, okay, the, the one thing that makes a Big Muff good and bad is the big filter. It's a very cool big sound, but it would be a way better distortion with a different filter. So make it work with different filter settings and not like the mid bump push push that other companies do because then you have don't have a big muff anymore then you have a different pedal mm. and you buying a big muff so you want a big muff you know if you change the eq parameters that much you don't have the big muff anymore and then people compare it to other pedals and then it's not good anymore yeah that easy so um, looking a little bit forward into the future, which is always like, a, it's always difficult to predict how things are going to go, but what mm. is your plan? What is your plan? Where do you see your company 
in the next like three years, for example? What kind of projection? And I know, I know it's yeah. As, as I said, it's difficult to make a projection. But where do you project yourself in the next three years? Um, I can say that because I'm just planning to do and. If you play realistically, is that the word? Then mm. it mostly happened that way. Um, I see faster shipping times, more stock, but not like always in stock. That's not never going to work. But one employing more, I think more in like the intern ways. Um, I wish I had one employee more and can afford one employee more. And um, that's enough for me. It's for me. It's like not a sprint, more marathon thinking. Because when we had like big booms, when we like the have, have a, a episode at JHS and whatever, we had like five hundred and orders in like two weeks, and was like, <laughs> and we had like four people. So I I'm here at my my desktop for like mails and whatever. And I even sold it here, you know, with like every, the packing station, there was someone soldering on it. And this crush was so big that it made us, um, slower, you know, mm. because you have just pack 400, 500 orders, just packing this days. If you yeah. just three people, there are people on the internet claiming like having 500, 600, whatever orders in one month and they're one person, not gonna happen. If I, mm. I would, <clears throat> I would say about myself that I'm very organized and I'm very disciplined. And if I can do that with four people, no one can. It's like, mm. we're so strict. We are so in, in work and we learn from this situation like that and if i see us in the future i see one employee more to shorten waiting times one m more like a different model and what i wish from the future is to have it as long as possible like me as an old person still being the freak adopting the new media way to do all that stuff i don't know i have to learn that but i don't want to work in other jobs anymore and my employees don't want to do that also and this is the only important thing for me as the ceo of the company that my co-workers are happy that i am happy with my life that they are happy with their life that the customers are happy with the products and i sell stuff or i make stuff that I'm proud of, you know, not just like, okay, let's do a tube screamer and let's do an EQ because this is something I've never seen, but our EQ has like 10 dB and you can do the filter suite. People don't care. Mm. People don't care. When was the last time Frank is like into building, but when was the last time you thought, Wow, it's a paramedic EQ on a tube schema. Cool, I need that. No one's. <laughs> it, it's. It sounds good or not? Thank you. No, normal customers don't care about the way of equalization as it as long as it sounds good. Of course, mm. 
maybe it's oh cool sliders because cool you know haptic is cool of course but that's not important i want to make myself proud and the people around me uh happy working for me and this is something i see in the future also and we will do that and we i will make this possible by any means hmm. <laughs> so the 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 way i'm kind of seeing your situation chris it seems to me like you've adopted the philosophy of if you try to please everybody you'll please nobody so exactly yeah so you'd rather do your thing be authentic to yourself make products you like and you know that if you like it other people are bound to like it but you're not trying to please everybody like you don't want to see your pedal on everybody's no. board like you don't want some guy who plays jazz to have one in your pedals just because no. it's cool you want him to yeah. have it because it's useful to them i sell the id to the pedal as well the wallow has so much resolution because shoegaze players have like a delay or a reverb in front and it translates very well when the distortion after has a high resolution mm. and people asking i need a big mouth pedal because iconic sound you don't want the mids pushed there because you don't have the big mouth sound then anymore i want mm -hmm. a big mouth for shoegaze ah, okay lots of pedals lots of information in the signal whatever high resolution the wallow is a perfect pedal for that people read that people know that people have heard about other people having that and as a solution for their needs and they recommend other people and you're creating problems and offering solutions is the marketing term for that something you can just learn and read and you can do that also the kind way like hey you have a lot of big muff pedals that can do doom sounds if i get an email you hear the bing 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 all the time no oh, i'm sorry don't worry, okay. don't worry about that That's uh, nice. um <laughs> okay um there are a lot of the same kind of niche pedal and if you like offering my pedal is for this and that people of this kind of way um playing um are more interested in your products and this is already happening and i can't happily stop that of course um mm. this is a good thing so i don't have to make everyone happy because there is no way a pedal can do that no. No. but 10 pedals that are sound differently that are used you you, you you don't use a hammer for everything you know no no it would but, be I funny mean, you, could. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could you could try but you know you'll get varying the results for sure <laughs> and most company act like they can sell a hammer for everything so oh, if it's okay. more complicated yeah. yeah, it's it's like a captor can't do anything or whatever solution thingy can do everything ir distortion pedals sounds like crap don't pretend like they can do anything no mm. they can't that's interesting that's interesting because you know i've never heard anyone put it like this where you're kind of diluting the idea of your product because you want to please everybody so you're going to put out something that you claim can do everything and instead of 
Like, because there's a, a, a balance there. On one side, you have the one-trick pony. On the other side, you have complete versatility. It can do everything. And it seems like between those two points, there's a lot of great areas where you can find yeah. a niche and make yeah. something of, very cool. Of course, you can play everything with a Big Moth. Zantana plays a Big Moth. And mm -hmm. there's a big range for everything. But stop being pretending like the pedal is the ultimate thing for everything because it's a lie and what you get is unsatisfied customers that are oh was not the right thing i guess i put it on craigslist über kleinanzeigen in germany yeah. <laughs> kreuz, kreuz schlitzschraubenzieher <laughs> and um <laughs> Was a German, a funny German word. Um, what you what it you get then is, is it's just a Phillips screw head, yeah, like the normal screwdriver. Um, what you get then is unsatisfied customers that are don't trust you anymore because you got the pedal with that can everything, but it can't do anything. So mm. why acting like that? That's but I can recommend a different pedal. That's the trick here. Ah, you, you're more into um, traditional distortion. Then a muff is not your friend, but the catastrophe is um, more your thing than, mm. you know? And annex to this, would you say, because you're trying to position yourself with certain products, would you say that if you send it out to certain people so they can do reviews or, or demos of your pedals, do you get to see the players and decide, okay, I think this person's playing style would fit this pedal better just so you can really highlight what your products can do. Yeah. Um, this is also basic marketing. And, um, I explained earlier that, um, the last two years I make a change in like, uh, I put my company out and I decided and I have to talk about this topic very carefully because a lot of my friends are YouTubers. Okay. They're all uh, people that are making their living with that and um, feed their kids and you know, whatever. Yeah. But I figured out that I can do that myself better mm. and for me of course no for for a company like boss not but i know and um the the money you spend on youtubers for their work you can better put in good camera good lightning or meta commercial fees ads whatever that's that easy mm. yeah it, it, it yeah. can make sense depending on the people. I, I know there's some companies out there that don't want to go that route. Like they'd rather like put it in the hands of someone else so that those people can, you know, try and do injustice. I have a but, few, I have a few that I selected because I know what, what for me is important. If I send out a pedal and they play like proc stuff, but, but they're famous, but they play like weirdy proc stuff. That's cool. And I, thought for a long time it's good to have like a few videos 
about normal people playing normal stuff with my stuff because it's a good selling point to show people that they can also do other stuff but people aren't mm. that stupid they know that yeah. mm -hmm. and it's way more interesting for people like ah it's supposed to do that oh wow and not mm -hmm. just like normal stuff you know mm. i i don't get in the ring with the normal stuff with my stuff because then i lose yeah mm. makes sense yeah. definitely makes sense um i think we we are about to hit the two hour mark and we've uh we have a rule at this podcast that we keep it at two hours <laughs> to uh to not overload uh -oh. people <laughs> um with uh with stuff I would like to thank you, Chris, for being our guest today. It was uh, it was very entertaining. Oh, uh, you have something to say? <laughs> I got some questions for Chris. Oh yeah. Oh, let's very, okay. Very, let, let's let's do a let's let's do like with the questions. Oh yeah, yeah. It's rapid okay, fire. Okay, come on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's go. So if uh, you were to look at everything that came out in 2023, what are your three top gear that you saw that really piqued your curiosity? The reverse delay from old block noise. Okay. Um, I don't look into the market, but the Captor X <laughs> was the best invention in the last ten, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Let's go with the next one. What are your mm. three favorite fuzz pedals of all time? Big Muff Op Amp, Fuzz Face, and the Fuzz Factory. Oh, oh, good choice. Yeah. Good like choice. that one. Okay. Your three top pedal companies, like when you were young and to now, the, the three that are still like iconic to you. Old Electro Harmonics. I started because they looked so cool and I want to do that also. Orion FX because I want to be him as I was at 19. I was like, okay. this guy is just doing what the big ones do in his basement that's so cool so artistic and so cool just cool and i hmm. thought this is this should be my life too i'm not a musician but i can give the musicians what i can you know yeah i want to be Makes the sense. cue of james bond for musicians <laughs> <laughs> you know like nice a analogy. guitar pedal but also flame flamethrower you know and it fits in your shoe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So next question, your three favorite types of pedals that could be like modulations, delays, reverbs, mm -hmm. what, whatever you want. The three types. A dark delay, um, um, a cleanish distortion that can push my amp and a tuner with a good buffer in it. Okay, cool. Now, way I'm, more important gonna, than everything else okay now i'm gonna just change it up just a little bit your hmm. favorite three movies of all times oh the new godzilla movie minus one i saw it yesterday i cried four times oh yeah no yeah because it was like so epic and like touching the, the a godzilla movie that is like touching it was like oh, wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> like 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 um, after Second World War, like everything is in ruins and oh, heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. um, 
movies. Rook One, Star Wars, best Star Wars movie. Okay. Uh huh. Please don't hate me. No, <laughs> this is best one. Of course, old ones. But if you like put them side by side, and I, someone is like, I never seen Star Wars. I, this is the one I would show. Okay, because it's just good. And <sighs> prestige. Okay, it's Christian Bale and jackman i don't know anymore but it's like um two magicians fighting each other oh, and yeah, david yeah, bowie david bowie is playing nikola tesla ah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i've heard of that epic yeah, i watched it though yeah yeah epic okay epic. next question your favorite three video games of all times armored cross six do you know that I, I, I wasn't it a, a, a car game on PS uh, one, I think, was it? Armored Core is um, huge mecha robots fighting. Oh, okay, on yeah, planets. that's what that is. Oh yeah, yeah. it's like okay. yeah, it's frustrating, difficult, and I love that. <laughs> and also Gatling guns, um, Cyberpunk, and Final Fantasy VII. Oh, that's a great game. Love uh-huh. that game. Okay, so. Three more questions. The next one is out of your own pedals that you make, what are your favorite three? Fernweh, Katastrophe, Wado. Cool. Silver Machine. Okay. Sorry. Cool. It's it's hard because it's like which one of your child is your favorite? <laughs> no, exactly. But that's what I they're listening. That's, and uh, they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh so let's say we're just thinking here, uh, three pedals that you haven't made, but that you would love to make in the future. Mm, I can't explain. Can't do that. Sorry. No. Okay. No, because no. I'm, I'm You're working on it now. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. very, very spontaneous and stuff. And I'm working on like four times, uh, four things at once. Okay. And I'm very talky about that. And I learned, that I don't do that anymore. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So I, I can questions. show you, I can tell you yeah. when we are not recording. Okay, cool. So my mm. last question for you, and this is a good one, but at least I hope mm. it is. Let's mm. say you were chosen to go to Mars and you're never coming back. And you were mm. told you can bring one guitar, one amp and five pedals. What would you choose? The one with the most oxygen in it. <laughs> but I, I can survive on Mars. It's just a, lo- a lonely island thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 that. But I didn't want to send you in the path of like, is there electricity on the <clears throat> island? Yeah. Why yeah, am yeah, I okay. there? <laughs> okay, okay. And I don't want to come back. Oh, you're not coming back. You bring in that stuff, and that's what you're playing for the rest of your life. Um. So this pops out different questions because a tube amp can just run a certain time. Mm-hmm. So it has to be a modeler, but this would not, nothing I choose. If you were asking what is your go to whatever, but in this situation, all digital because no one else is seeing me playing that. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know, but <laughs> the, 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 the kind of question is something that is like, like a, my whole gear got stolen, but someone is buying me new stuff. I would say something like a JCM 800, a Katastrophe, a Fernweh pedal, and a guitar that is like super heavy but chunky in the highs. Okay. I don't care about forms, colors, or whatever. It has to sound a, a, a special way. If I do like, and it's like punching, but not, machen. and when mm-hmm. I play slow chords, it has to like do the thing. But if I play fast, it has to do like the, that's way more important than, than the gear. Okay. See, what I like about asking questions like this is that it gives me a glimpse into how your mind works. I could tell right away, I ask you a question and you were like, just thinking about all yeah. like, is there oxygen in there for the tubes? And you're thinking, yeah, it, well, I'm like that too, right? So it's like, if you would have asked me that question, I would have been like, uh, I, I don't know. I would have been so screwed, but it really gives me a glimpse into how people think because you were like, taking the complexity of it and you brought it down right to, back. let's say my gear got stolen and someone bought it for me, I would keep it, you know, a little more limited, but a lot yeah. of people, when you ask them a question like this, they go into like, I would have brought like a 1959 less ball with uh, you know, a dumbbell. Cause they're thinking like big, like I'm not coming back. So all expenses, but you were more like practical, you know, so you're bringing it down. Yeah. And I, I think, that's something that's very interesting because you don't always get a glimpse of how people think about like it's something that's limited. Right. And people, that's fun. People, people want um, to impress other people. And it is super normal. And yeah. um, we all like that. And if people like counting, I have to do this kind of tailor with this matchless amp, they want to impress mm-hmm. with their taste. And yeah, some people learn that they can impress with their work. And for that, you need a hammer, a this, a this, and that. And they don't care about the, <laughs> the color or whatever. And I, I, I can impress with taste because my trace is shit. And I just like this this way. And if you like that, you like that. If not, you, you don't. I know yep. that I jammed, but I know that I jammed once with, with Frank. And, he, and I was putting my amps on. on on online is not standby and he was like <laughs> in the practice room because it's just it's just volume <laughs> yeah it was and it was frank, it was frank shatteringly set, loud and frank would set up everything in a whole different way what doesn't mean it's better or not hmm. no i would say that frank's tone is on, on way higher levels in a good taste, you know? I'm just like, okay, how much bass gain highs and mids can this amplifier handle? <laughs> cool. Let's do that. And this is my style of doing that. And this is a certain sound. If you do like the 90s metal sound, it, it's it's this attitude, like the Pantera sound, like the <laughs> Rob Zombie or Static X, whatever band was common there. It's just like, and this is also a taste. And yeah, I like yeah. that. 
Raw. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Thank you for having me. I wish you the best day you can have. And bye. <laughs> thanks uh, for stopping by. Man. Thanks for stopping by. Really awesome having you. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. Cheers. <laughs>